Be on the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the plate, swing away, or you get struck out Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan Do it for your city, true ballers understand You gotta work together, you gotta find a way Put your body on the line and make that play Be on the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the plate, swing away, or you get struck out Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases Be on the dugout be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Well, kia ora koutou and welcome to Beyond the Dugout. It's episode number 25 on the 1st of October. I'm Jason Goobies, aka Chopper, and joining me ever, so handsomeable, cuddleable, none of those are real words, but it is Damien Collins. Man, I always appreciate you trying to make up those words. Kia ora, everyone. Welcome to another week. Yeah, man, what a week it was. Firstly, let me say thank you, everyone, uh, for your gracious uh, condolences to me and Alfano this week. It was really nice and uh, heartfelt, uh, really awesome. And we gave the old fella a fairly decent send-off we did. We, we sure did, mate. We sure did. Well, it was pretty good. So, all good. But, hey, mate, I've got to say, Thomas Cameron last week, uh, I knew it was going to be a great episode. Uh, with Tommy, just with what he's doing about making other people's lives better. Yeah, uh, it's not just about the ball, eh? And I mean, I, I think that's what we've uh, we've broached on. It's not just the the legends with all the accomplishments, and everyone we we talk to is, uh, you know, they've they've got their own story to tell. But uh, it's bigger than soft away, and 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 TC, uh, old Benny, he's he's doing a hell of a job in, in that field, and I'm so glad he got to share a story. Yeah, indeed, but indeed. A complete pleasure and well done, Benny. Keep on doing the good work, but looking forward to see what he does with Island Bay this year. Absolutely. Okay, Damien, on to sport now. Let's start. We've got some big things coming up this weekend here in New Zealand and Australia, but let's start with the baseball uh, first in the States. And it is all but set with only three games to go in the uh, regular season, but only two teams left fighting for a spot, the Dodgers and San Francisco. San Francisco with a two-game lead with only three games left. Means I reckon San Francisco will clinch it. Either way, Dodgers will come back and face San Francisco later if they can beat St. Louis. And then, boy, oh, boy, this postseason looks like it's going to be a great one. Absolutely. Today, you must have been happy. 8-3 over the Padres, bro. Yeah, man. They got the win today. And as we recorded this, uh, it was 4 all tied with Arizona San Francisco. Come on, Arizona. But we'll see anyway. Um, other big one, obviously, this weekend, bro. You can't go past it. The one they wait for all season, the big grand final of the NRL. Absolutely, mate. I'm just stoked the storm out there. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead right. I mean, you know what? I picked Penrith to go all the way this year a little earlier on, and that performance against the storm last week, I think they've got the goods. Yeah, they... they... They definitely have it have it behind them, and um and and they have all the support I reckon as well. Looking around the traps, but you know, come down finals day, yeah, you know, it's it's whoever turns up on the day, bro. You know that, so you're going to stick with the Panthers, yeah? Well, I picked the Panthers, but I got to say, bud, with Benji Marshall playing for the Rabbitohs, you mm. know, the soft spot is right there. To be fair, so either way, it's a win-win for Chopper. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, Benji, what is it? Sixteen years since his last grand final, or something? Twelve years? No, well, whatever it is. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, Benji. 
He's a legend, man. He'll go close to being an immortal, I'd say, the first Kiwi to do that. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing him shine just one more time uh, on the big stage. The ABs will take on the Springboks this weekend in the second match. Boy, oh boy, wasn't that a yawn fest last week, but at least we got the win. Bro, it killed the <laughs> killed the buzz, eh? Like my best mate, my big brother, Scooter came over. We had a few few drinks. We had the chili bin ready to go. We we watched a bit of YouTube of some of our old favourites before the game, and then we watched that game. And then by the end of that game, we were like, "Oh, sweet, bro!" So uh, we'll catch up next week. And that was us because it just, mate, we were done. We like there was no energy. All that, all that. Right, oh, that's not what what I like watching. So. Hmm. I still mean, um, any time the ABs play is always for some interest, mate. So if I can, I'll I'll, uh, I'll grab a few coldies, sit down and enjoy that one just one more time. So oh. looking forward to that no matter what. But it will be the state of origin. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be uh, I won't miss that for sure. No, no, for sure. You, you, you got to always, even if you don't watch the season eight, everyone sits down to watch the grand final. They sure do, bud. They sure do. Indeed. Well, that wraps up the sport, bud. Mate, this week's episode, I'm really proud of this week's episode because it's the first time, if you like, we've got one that isn't a Hall of Famer, isn't a Black Sox legend, isn't a White Sox legend, but actually an elite player who's played the game in New Zealand and a really good bloke. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he may not be any any halls, uh, he may not have any rings, like, but... Mate, he's my best mate, and I love him to pieces. And uh, so it was awesome to get him around to pick his brain about some of the the other people that we've had on the on the podcast um, over a coffee. And then we said, "Hey, we're going to sit down and interview." And and this is what happened. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really proud of it as well, mate. Yeah, me too, bud. Me too. He is. Uh, you know, I, I got to play with him at PK, and we'll talk a bit about this uh, throughout the podcast, but. Uh, he was always a character and a hell of a ball player, man. And what he's doing with you guys at uh, at TP these days, Tokyo Park, Topple Club, you know, that warms my heart as well. Yeah, mate. I mean, he's uh, he's one of those um, one of those guys that came up through the ranks and just uh, you know, uh, life got in the way, if you will. You know, you lost a bit of the a bit of the passion um, for ball. But what he's doing in education and and mate, I've seen him. I've seen him with uh, with school uh, kids um, at, at being the sports coordinator, and he's the assistant principal at St Joseph's Primary. But I've also seen him coach adults and kids and the way he can relate the education into his softball coaching now uh, it's just awesome and you know it could have been one of those cinderella stories crispy but he's pretty pretty honest about why why it didn't go the way it did but it's more the the learnings from that and further with uh, the education that i was really stoked to get on this podcast well, well you're all guessing who we're talking about aren't you well it's uh, Warrington and Hutt valley representative it is chris Stevenson will be the special guest today here in episode 25. How about we get to him, Damien? Absolutely. Let's go. Well, 16 years premier softball throughout New Zealand, predominantly in Hutt Valley and Wellington, played for one of the two of the biggest clubs there is uh, domestically, Hutt Valley Cardinals and the great Puniki Calburnia. It is Chris Stevenson joining us on the couch here at Beyond the Dugout. Welcome, Crispy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Crispy. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. Cool. I like how we did this one, Crispy. Come around for a coffee. Halfway through the coffee, drop the bomb. Dude, you're the podcast this week. You're on the couch, mate. 
Appreciate that. It's about a pretty good, uh, good, good guest you've had on here. So pretty humbled with that company. I feel like a bit of a bit of a have. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it's great to have you along. But um, uh, you know, you've the good thing about you, Crispy, is you've uh, you've lived and breathed the game. Uh, you've played at the highest level uh, here domestically. You've also had a little stint overseas as well. And we're going to get to find out a little bit about that. And of course, uh, this year, Damien. Made his debut with uh, Ballpark Broadcasting. He sure did, mate. We had him down at the Club Nationals this year, and uh, there's another reason why we didn't tell you about getting you on the couch, because we wouldn't want you to lose some sleep like you did last time. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, Chop, I've got the start of this one, because, man, I love this guy. Crispy, nor here queer, bro. Where did it start? What's your genealogy? Uh, kia ora, Damien. Kia ora, Chopper. Uh, kia ora, Kato. Uh, ko Nongotaha Tomanga. Ko uh, Rotorua nui a kahu matamoimoi te roto, ko Te Arawa Tokoiwi, ko Te Arawa Tokawaka, ko Nati Whakawe Te Hapu, no Apahau, ko Ron Tokopapa, ko Gay Tokofaya, ko, ko Rewa Tokotuahini, ko Caleb Tokotama, ko Chris Tokoinga, no Rewa Tenakata, 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 Kato. So, a little bit of history there uh, on my father's side. Um, genealogy goes back to um, Rotorua, um, which was sort of some uh, some new learning to me um, after he'd passed. My sister studied that, um, studied some Maori papers at uh, Victoria University, um, sort of shared a bit of genealogy there. Um, obviously, dad passed away when I was um, when I was fourteen, so still part of my um, whakapapa and. Um, Means a lot to me, so I reference him in there. Um, yeah, mum was um, well. Her family sort of moved around the, the South Island. I think she was born in Timaru, and <laughs> every time they moved, they seemed to have a new a new child. <laughs> but I was sort of a uh, yeah um, upper heart for me, upper heart Wellington. Yeah, five zero one eight is oh, uh, yeah. where I've sort of born and bred and bred my own young fella. Yes, you did, mate. Um. Yeah, no, we, we, we all know your story. For uh, uh, There's a lot of us out there that were managed or coached by gay, um, even if you were in the team or not. But uh, tell us about those early years. You're um, growing up in Upheart. You're out on the range um, with, the, with the father. Tell us a bit about your dad, mate. Yeah, well, he used to be the ranger at Kaitoka Regional Park. He was, um, well, I spent a lot of time with him, so he was, he was sort of my idol. Um, we did everything from... Um, I've been in the Westpac rescue helicopter, going to rural fires. Uh, he had the fire tank on his back, and he used to make me close up the park at night time. We had a dog in the car, and uh, driving the driving the the Toyota Hilux around the park, when people <laughs> was closed. Um, so I spent a lot of time with him with the hunting, and that's kind of where. Once I got to a certain age, my sister had been playing softball along with my mum, so they would go down. Mum would go with my sister to netball and to softball and touch, and she was she was the athlete of the family. Um, but I would stay at home with Dad, looking after the park and um, doing all the hunting and fishing and those sorts of things. But so good, Crispy for you, mate. Where did softball start? Uh, it started. Uh, mum used to play. Yeah, uh, Mum was a catcher um, down in the Hutt Valley, so sort of got brought along every now and again to games. But we lived up in Kotoku um, Regional Park. Dad was a ranger there, so I spent sort of most of my time with him. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, every now and again, we'd sort of uh, go down and watch Mum play and. Um, Sort of then she was like, Oh well, do you wanna play? I says, Yeah, of course. I think I played um maybe under under elevens was my first year, under twelves. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. With the mighty Tortara Park. Yeah, yeah. Big T P. Yeah. Hard out and, and full circle. You're now back playing uh, um, uh, Prem Twos or Prem whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm too sure that the grey down here, but back giving back to the sport. 
Yeah, and I oh, feel like we're trying to give back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened at Damon and I are both on the committee. Yep. I'm just trying to get grow that young club, um, start them from young age so we can try to keep them. Yeah. And not leave like we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, the reason why I left um, Totsura Park was because there was no senior club. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then when it's at a young age, you want to be better and better. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing, nothing there for me. Yeah. Um, so I went, and that's why we're sort of now had discussions around how we can grow that pathway for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, with the education background, you know that it starts with the kids. Yeah. Build a culture where the kids want to come back and then give back as well. Yeah. Make it a family club. Yeah, and I guess you've got a real good insight to that uh, these days. Uh, you're assistant principal. Uh, at uh, St Joseph's uh, here locally in uh, Upper Hutt. Um, using those skills now, as you were just talking about dealing with uh, with students and youth coming through, how do you think you, you give them a taste of softball? Oh, well, they had no choice when I was in the classroom. Um, I'm sort of not <laughs> teacher based, but that was what we did. Yeah. Um, even like before the clubs, yeah. the last clubs with um, Poneke when we, when we won it, mm. last time they won. Just he's so already dropped just, it. Just, just he's already dropped it, isn't he? Craig. Um, but no, I was out there. They were feeding me balls. Um, so I was, I was still working and then in between games. So that was my warm-up. The yep. kids were out there feeding me balls. Um, nice. getting it. But yeah, like lunchtime sports, that's what we run as competitions um, for PE. Yeah. We'd be uh, all about the skills and growing that and getting the kids a taste for it. Because we still got the batting machine at school, don't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had that out there as well. And it's, it's like once you're passionate about something, then the kids see that and they want to do it. And there was a number of kids who would say, I only played softball because you loved it and you always talked about it. Mm, mm. Oh, it's, it's a fun game to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not a long game yeah. compared to, say, yeah, for example, yeah. cricket. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we had the pitching machine out in summer this year. Kids were just having a go. We play, um, we play Wellesley twice a year. So... Just getting the um, getting the machine out there, and the kids could have a nice. Hit. Yeah, I, I think actually when I talk talk to a lot of um, older people, uh, whether they're in the game or not in the game, everyone seemed to have played softball or rounders at school when they were coming up, weren't they? Yeah, 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 and that's why it's disappointing. A shed when I first came along, there was the old uh, just the wooden bats. Yeah, um, that yeah, traditionally would have been that's what all they had for PE. So one of the first things came in was like, here we go, <laughs> get some new tees and some yeah. equipment. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, man. Good on you too, bud. Um, if we go back to to your own playing time, coming through junior softball at TP um, before getting up into the senior grades, who were some of the people that were instrumental around that time for you? Oh. Um, we had quite a few, like, um, because I, I didn't really follow it as a, at a young age. Like, I wasn't one that was down in the ballpark every week. Um, so when you come across someone, you're like, oh, okay, they're pretty famous. That's yeah. pretty cool. It's a New Zealand player, but yep. you kind of took it for granted. Um, but there were some of the people, like, um, like the Davis family is pretty big mm-hmm. in Upper Hutt. Um, I remember having umpire when I was like 15, 16 years old, and Dave Rennie um, was playing. Really? Uh, yeah. He's oh, he was part of the GOAT team. Yeah, yeah goat, for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I remember I called him up. He tried to steal second base. <laughs> he slid there. So he was wearing shorts, grass, ripped up his leg, had a big scrape up. He was like, oh, uh, out. I, I, I stuck with the core. I thought he was out. Yeah. He just gave me a look, shook his head, and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, young Sorry. man. <laughs> yeah, but like, that was pretty cool. And yeah. That's why I've got a lot of respect for him. In my first year of teaching, he took my class. Nice. He's a He's got a teaching background. Right. Um, and just an aura about that guy. Um, so that's something, you know, like 14, 15, first time I sort of come across him and uh, just sort of remember that guy as something about him. Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, you, you would go down to like Fraser Park and then see some of the um, 
you know, some of those guys who you don't actually realise how good they were until you kind of get older and you sort of look back and like, wow, that guy was pretty talented. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Brad Baker. Yeah. I've sort of talked about him before. He's yeah. sort of a big influence. And then you're sort of the modern day heroes, like they're well, probably not modern anymore, but like Thomas, Thomas Markey and Jared Martin. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's still inspiring for sure. Yeah. And yeah, and and, and like Reese, yeah, when um, Bruce Casey, mm. he um. Yeah, like he was sort of seen as that, that sort of bad boy, I, I guess, at that time because he had that you know, that natural ability. Um, and as soon as he made captain of all those teams, like Hutt Valley, mm. he just stepped it up yeah. and he sort of held you accountable. Yep. As well. yep. um, yeah, yeah, I like that about Reese for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, when you got to the senior level, Hutt City United, when did that happen for you? Yeah, again, so moving from like under 13s or under 15s, whatever it was, at Totara or Totara Park, so. Um, uh, went to sort of Hutt City and just sort of learned, like played age grade for them as well as um, Premier Two, mm-hmm. um, and that was when the competition was quite strong. You had to yeah. sort of earn your place. And yeah. I remember I'd sit on the bench for the for the Prem team. Um, and I remember we played um, Porirua City United, and Stevie Deans was catching for them. Wow! And I think Craig Wallace was like, "Oh, you know who? Uh, <laughs> you know who that's catching?" Huh? So he said, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> he said, like, "Well, if you run a bit around fast, because he's got a you know, he's got yeah." A gun on him. That's my first experience of uh, Stevie Deans, but I ended up getting to play with him. Nice. Uh, as he's grown, he taught me a lot. Yeah. Real awesome guy, that guy. Yeah, hard out. Hard out. He's doing good things too, uh, in charge of the 23s for New Zealand at the moment, Stevie, and obviously he's done a lot throughout his, his career. Seemed like he played for 121 years. Oh, yeah. No offence to him, but I thought he was old <laughs> when, I, uh, yeah, when I first met the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's just an incredible guy and yeah. durable. For, yeah, he was catching for years Fit. and just, yeah, like a little energizer bunny and just yeah. knows the stuff and. Real good guy, real team guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, take your side. Would never sort of get angry at you, but just be like, hey, you, you realise you can do this a little bit differently. Yeah. Just all those little things that make you a better player. You mentioned Brad Baker before. Where did you first meet him? Yeah, at, at Hutt City. Yeah. Um, so sort of getting to know him a little bit. It was pretty intimidating. Yeah, sort of a, a, here's a guy who's sort of represented his country or probably should have played for New Zealand. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, sort of in, in sort of awe of him and sort of saw some of his uh, best moments yeah. um, on the field. He's such a competitor. Um, you never wanted to drop your standards yep. playing with him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was lucky enough that I um, got an opportunity to go play for his um, his father's team that he'd set up over, or father club yep. um, in Canada. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, Brad Baker's uh, one heck of a, a pitcher, very high energy person, Canadian native uh, originally, as you're saying. And so uh, just on that, you got to go to Toronto to, yep. to play a couple of seasons over there. What was that like? Oh, I I was I was pretty young. Yeah. Um, my whole sort of life was sort of, a, well, I guess I'd say sort of immature. <laughs> I was sort of a young 18-year-old when I went overseas, just expected stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you go across to North America and you, you see all these different sites and you just kind of take it for granted. Being yeah. young, you think, oh, I'll come back. And um, mm-hmm. sort of, I managed to come back another year, but yeah. that was, what, 2001 was the last time sort of going over there to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he, he showed me around, took me under his wing, um, saw some great stuff with him. So hey. always indebted to uh, to that. Any good stories? Oh, there's always there's, <laughs> a, there's always great stories. He's uh, like, is this beyond the dugout after dark stories yeah. or the no? But like some of the Another stuff you experienced, list. I guess the different ballparks or, or on the diamond itself, playing against some of the caliber of players you played. What's some of the things that stick in your in your memory? Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, for me going over, like you went from like sort of your Hutt Valley ball to kind of thinking all of a sudden you're, you're driving two hours for a, for a double header um, 
and it was just the kind of professionalism of those grades and the, and the amount of money they took me. Oh, that's you know, such and such a team or whatever. So it was kind of um, kind of just sort of advanced your school level, but it just advanced your thinking about who these players were. Um, so we got to travel um, you know, a massive amount of places throughout yeah. the states and, and Canada, and just got to play against some of the Can- um, I was going to say Canadians, um, the Canadians' best mm. best players. Yeah. So, so that was pretty cool. But some kind of highlights were there, like was with Brad Baker, like getting picked up for the Toronto Gators. Yeah, and you got to play with the man himself. Yeah. Darren yeah, Zach. Darren Zach. Wow, what was that like? The big old Indian? Oh, yeah. Again, like I sort of compared Dave Rennie to him. That, just a guy with a, a lot of aura. Mm. Um, but again, kind of at the time, sort of young, cocky, immature, don't, didn't really respect um, what was in front of me or what opportunities I was given, um, which probably look back now, it's probably one of my biggest disappointments in life of didn't actually respect the game enough to work hard um, or didn't respect the people who were in front of me or that I could learn from them. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, well, and it's cool. Like, now you look back and we get to yarn about some of the players you've yeah. met. Um, yeah. Yeah, like Mike Taylor, when he, he was in Canadian team for a while as well, he came over here and played with us at Art City. Um, yeah, Nick Shales, like you're from Australia. Got yeah. to play with some of those guys, but you just sort of, because we're not a big country and you grow up with these guys, you just think, oh, well, that's just the norm. Yeah. yeah. But now you sit back and you're like, wow, I've actually met some really awesome people. Some pretty special players. Yeah. Yeah, hard, hard. Mate, you uh, puddle jumped clubs a little bit there for a second after getting an invite to play for uh, Hutt Valley Cardinals with Mark Sorensen, bro. How did that come about? Oh, hey. Well, and wait a minute, how was Brad Baker when you got that information? <laughs> yeah. Love you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was it was one of those opportunities where um, you know, at the time, sort of, and probably so so high up there with one of or the greatest players in the world. And if someone like that asks you to come along, um, and then you can learn from those sort of people. And and at the time, Cardinals were a pretty massive club, uh, doing some great things. So I was like, yeah, cool. He just talked to me after the game one day. I was walking past Fraser Park, and could we have a chat? Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, like, how would you feel about coming over Cardinals? Yeah, perfect. So we just had a sort of conversation about what that would look like and, um, yeah, planted the seed and next year come across. Nice. Well, you had you had one year of MIQ at oh, Hutt Valley Marist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Did sorry. your MIQ there and then and then over to, to Cardinals. Yeah, f- fantastic. Uh, Position-wise, once you got to Cardinals, was? Uh, third base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so primarily that was kind of where I, I saw myself. At Hutt City, I was kind of around the – the second base, mm-hmm. um, and then moved to Cardinals, and that was when Todd Wilson was playing. Yep. So, um, Todd, Todd was getting a bit old, so yep. uh, the, the young, the young blood was coming through. So he pushed him out to the outfield, but again, he had to work, um, work for that spot. Yeah. Finally, given those opportunities, and we yep. sort of made it my own for a, for a few years. Nice. Toddy was a good player too, man. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to and travel with him to um Japan. Nice. As well. With. Oh well, Cardinals. Nice. Um, went over with Cardinals and a few of those guys as well. What was that trip? I, I can't remember that one. Uh, well, they had um, what's his name, uh, Chick Baldwin. Mm-hmm. I had a good yep. relationship with Japanese softball, oh, uh, and yeah. his brother was over as yep. well. So Cardinals used to go over every few years. Yep, neat um, so old chap, Chick. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we talked about sort of uh, fingers before, so he had the old little <laughs> finger missing. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, no, but that, that was like oh, probably yeah, we sort of. Uh, Talked a little bit before about sort of um, greatest moments, but a, a tour of Japan. I think we were there for about twelve days. We mm-hmm. Twenty twenty games, no. in five different cities. Wow, yeah, um, and we ran like four coaching clinics as well. Wow, at the same time. Oh, but the most amazing experience of my life. Wow, um, cool. Yeah, I think we might have drawn 
I think we drew our first game, which was quite weird because there's lots of draw. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. It was just a time and because you know, like, there was Tane Richardson and Honey Marks in it. Yeah, um, we're over there playing as well, so they come and joined us and gotcha. sort of taught us a little bit about the culture. But honestly, the most humbling place in the world, the the best place to, to go to host. Like they were just incredible. Like they had little banners and uh, like you do something well because you're playing in these beautiful stadiums. They're out there to support you. Um, Talking to you after the game, you're signing stuff. You actually felt like rock stars. And for a young guy, yeah. um, I must have been sort of early. Was that 2002 or 2001? So I was about 20, 21. Yep. Um, just the greatest experience. You know, sort of had our own Cardinals T-shirts, which we were signing. And yeah, <laughs> sort of like I had, well, I had hair. <laughs> so I was like blonde hair back then. So I was like touching it. Yeah. Oh, it was just honestly an incredible time. Yeah. And then to be so successful as well. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was an amazing time. Again, look back, I didn't sort of appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I've, I've still got some of the gifts. Um, like I've got a um, from I've got a Chiba tie, and the guy had been to the Olympics as an umpire, and he, he swapped ties with me. He wanted to give it to me. Wow, um, he's sort of impressed with how I played uh, one of those games. So I've still still got that. Uh, we had a visit with a mayor, which is obviously a very um, uh, honourable mm-hmm. uh, meeting time. So I've got a pair of shoes that the mayor gifted me. Wow. Cool. So still got those Very things nice. which I bring out every every now and again. Yeah, uh, show the kids and, and stuff. It's cool. That's a cool thing about our game man, the opportunities you get. Eh? Yeah, without a doubt. Cardinals guys had a highlight when you were playing for them two thousand and four after the World Series in Christchurch Club Nationals in Invercargill, mm. and all the way to the uh, to the gold medal match PK. Hope you get the post. But how was that 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 tournament? Oh. Yeah, again, coming through as underdogs, but we had sort of, um, when I'd come over at Cardinals, had lost all the, you know, all those sort of guys, like the Daryl Moreno and Mark Sorensen, and I thought it might, might have been there actually, but like, a lot of those guys have been very well established and, and had set the standard for software for a long time. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of young guys coming through um, and then sort of just worked our way through, just yes, through like weekly softball, you go, you know, sort of your, your club games, and then we end up building up into the Nationals and managed to get into the final. I think we had like three games that last day. Yeah. Um, like back to back, and we had a bit of a break, which probably didn't do us any good because we ended up going back to the motel. Mm. Um, and sent, yeah, as you do, a bit of banter. Yeah, sent uh, sent a few of the PK boys a, a little <laughs> a little dirty text. Like, yeah. Oh, boys, yeah, just a, a yeah. good spirit. To, it's on as we were uh, shaking hands at the end of the game. Like, hey, how's that text, Crispy? Yeah. <laughs> so, but there was like they were incredible. Like no yeah. one was touching them. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know how many. To be runs, fair, so. if I remember correctly, their pitching staff that week was. Uh, uh, was it Marty Beck? Uh, yep, yeah, yep, Marty and Jimmy Wano, eh? Right? Yeah. One two punch. Oh, damn. Oh, and that's honestly, that was the hardest I've ever seen Marty throw. Mm. Like, he'd just come on, he's just throwing bullets. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no lead up. And then just the caliber of guys. Mm. <laughs> I watched one of your games. Your, your pitching staff at the time for Cardinals was Horty Mark Sinek and Tony Richardson. Yeah. Was it they the two? Mm. I can't remember which one was on the hill. You'll probably remember better than me. But. Um, they're on a no hitter, ground ball, second baseman, and if I remember correctly, I think if, uh, you can correct me if I got it wrong. You had a, a pickup player from the states at the time, Josh Johnson, I think his name was. He was playing second base, and basically the ball just ran under his glove on a no hitter, and or he bobbled or something, for like late in the game, sixth or seventh innings. Is that right? Was this in the final? No, it wasn't the final because I wasn't there for the final. Oh. I was playing in a team that wasn't that good. Very <laughs> oh, flat out of town, but yeah, it was. I don't know. One of the days leading in the tournament, I just remember it was a no hitter. Oh, I, to be honest, I, I uh, 
Stats don't interest me that much. I'm not about the stats. I'm about the team. Yeah. Uh, no, but it would, it would sound uh, likely. Yeah. Because uh, we had a few of those games you know, in your lifetime where you, you don't want to be that person who makes that error. Yeah. Uh, I can't specifically remember that, that yeah. game, but I, I do remember there were times when we had um, had games like that. There was another good play um, by you guys in that tournament. If I remember correctly, Rako hooking and was playing shortstop in one of the matches. Is that, would that be right? Anyway, it was a hard ground ball to shortstop and – took a hop off the skin and he just kept his body behind it, chested the ball down on the ground. So the ball bounced, had him square on the chest, whacked it down, picked it up, made the out at one. I was like, bro, that's that's the way you play ball right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's what I'm right. Yeah. Rako, he was um he was good like that too. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's he, he's actually had a couple of black eyes because it's uh, <laughs> yeah, right? he, he just fundamentally keeps his <laughs> eye on the ball. And I remember yeah, it's a couple of times it's bounced up and hit him in there. Oh. One of those dudes I just just loves the game and yeah. just get back up. Good Hooks Bay boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just been over here visiting too. Oh, from yeah. Australia. Nice. Um, after a Cardinals, you went to PK. When, when was that? Yeah, well, I think I'd done about um, six or seven years at, at Cardinals mm. and got probably a little bit comfortable, um, sort of wanted to challenge myself again. And, and Craig Wallace was at Paniki and mm-hmm. um, sort of grew up with him, so he was – he just sort of said, hey, so it's a great club. If you look for change, come down, just meet the guys. Um, so I went in and, um, yeah, it wasn't like poaching or anything like that. It was just a good chance to see a different Temperate. association as well. Um, but, yeah, you always look to people that you can trust yeah. for advice. So yeah. you've got nothing to lose by just going. Um, yeah, and again, they were sort of rebuilding. Um, but that, Is this when Stoddy was back at the helm? No, uh, Ray Timmer. Oh, Ray oh, Timmer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I remember there was a period they were kind of rebuilding, weren't they? Yeah. 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 And then again, they, they just they just built up and built up. And then Stoddy came in and brought his sort of expertise and put yeah. his spin on it. And then sort of Larry was always there, but he'd gone away for a little bit and come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't take credit for uh, Panicki's success, but uh, <laughs> they haven't won the club nationals <laughs> since I haven't played. <laughs> Oh, uh, I like just telling saying, the boys. Just, just saying. Oh, I like telling the boys that. Uh, uh, Benny, Benny knows that. Uh, yeah, it was for me. It was a fresh start. Moving out of Hutt Valley, uh, moving away from Cardinals. I kind of had, um, kind of. I was sort of building myself up through the Hutt Valley, and then I um, didn't make the reps one year, and then I'd end up uh, finishing the season early with a, um, having surgery on my thumb. I snapped ligaments, so it had to be sewed back together. Um, so then I sort of finished season about January and then was I was looking for a, a new change, something to challenge myself and just refresh myself because I'd kind of like taken the game for granted and was just a little bit stale with it. Um, and I was given an opportunity at Paniki. Um, like Wally had said, hey, because well, well, I'd obviously talked to him and he's like, well, we'll come over and see what it looks like. You know? So uh, he always spoke highly about it and he had um, some pretty good success. Um, so it was Ray Timu. Just the like, first interaction with him, he was just great. Like he was, he was neat. He's like, well, basically, we've lost a lot of players. We've just got a bunch of um, a, a, a bunch of sort of raw raw players now. There's a couple yeah. of special players like the um, Cecil McLean and Craig Wallace and that, and that yeah, and 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 then which carried the the manner of the club and the history. But it was it was just amazing to go back to club rooms and to to look up on the wall and see the history of that club and see you know, thirty sort of international players up on the. With their old photos, mm. it was kind of inspiring. Every time he went there, he didn't want to let the uniform down. Um, so yeah, it was like when we started, we had um, that sort of core group of sort of unrecognised players with a couple of superstars. Um, yeah, and we we sort of took some heavy losses, and um, we 
kind of just grew from there. And then we started slowly building the team. Like when Benny came down, um, that was kind of gave you, uh, you know, like he 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 just came straight with a bit of <laughs> bit of mana as well, and a bit mm. of like, well, this is how we're leading it. This is what we're doing, and yeah, you know, he was on the mound, so he took charge. Connie was there to to catch, and it we just sort of just slowly built the team up. And Daniel Tarpey, um, <laughs> you know, tap. So the the team just just slowly started coming together, and it becomes sort of almost like more professional, more expectations on ourselves, because um, a lot of uh, a lot of the kind of pitching went to Gav or Mark Elson, who mm. yeah he pitched for us for a long time. I like gave his heart, but you know, when you compare him to say Marty Grant or Jimmy yeah. Wan or someone or Vinny Swanick who who had pitched for Paniki, he just wasn't that same player. So having mm. someone like Thomas um, come in and really lead that, and then with with Larry doing the pitching and having Jared would come down from Taranaki, <laughs> um, it just kind of drop. yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're just guys who just are genuinely great guys who love the game and the knowledge, and you you can't not be around them and pick up little things to yeah. make your game all better. And they would, I think that's what I noticed the difference when going from Hutt Valley to um, Poniki, like from Cardinals to Poniki, is everyone in that um, Poniki team was there to help you. Yeah. And, and it's no disrespect to the other teams, of course. Um, but I just felt that they were there to actually make the individuals better, which made the team better, which made the club better. Mm. Um, and they were proud because, like honestly, the probably the greatest moment of my life was when when we'd won the um, New Zealand Nationals, um, the club, the New Zealand Men's Club Nationals. We went back to the um, to Paniki Club rooms, and then they had everybody upstairs. And then we walked up the stairs to like a club being full of our supporters and awesome. our, just our group of people. And they were, yeah, it was a, a clapping. You walked yeah, in, and it was yeah. like far out. This is just amazing. That's yeah. what it meant to them. And like old Chanel from from Paniki Masters, yes. Yep. Oh, she was amazing. Like, yeah. she was there. She was a scorer. Like, I, I think we even uh, taught her how to drive in the van <laughs> in Christchurch. You know, like, she was just that. That's she takes annual leave to come. Yeah, mate. Play, she's you know? she's one of those quality people to have around a club. That's for sure. Yeah, like and Daryl and and Devo, some of those mm. old guys that are, are been are been around that club and it means everything to them and just for them to come out and watch and then to bring it back after a long time not winning and going back to club rooms and it was packed and it was just like they were so proud and I was just like man this is just this is amazing to be part of awesome yeah so it was it was really cool and like, like I said when we started out it wasn't a team with high expectations yeah. because that's kind of we knew where we were but you know it's sticking together developing that group of players the young guys coming through um, yeah and it, it just sort of went from there and sort of built their own legacy. And you could see some of them now, like when we when I was there, we had um, like a young Jerome, Jerome mm. Ramaki, coming through and remember sort of getting him in the nets uh, down at St. Pat's Stream there. That's where we used to train. Uh, sorry, not stream, uh, town. Mm. Uh, getting Jerome in the nets and uh, listen, teaching him how to bunt. Even he knew how to do it, but like he just soaked it all up and, and, and look at him now. Yeah, absolutely. Was it go in, here's your position, or did you have to fight for it? Um, no, for me it was a fight because yep. um, statue, old Wayne Wayne Walker, mm. um, was the sort of incumbent third base. Yep. Um, for Puniki, so um, yeah, we just basically worked together, and um, I managed to take my sort of opportunities, and then sort of third third base become sort of my position mm. um, that I really wanted to cement, and I thought that was that was my best spot for the team. And then um, Wayne, yeah, he's just he's a, He's a great team guy. So mm. He just does whatever's best for the club, and he sort of moved around to first. Awesome. In that period of time when we were developing, um, I think I played eight of the nine starting positions. Um, so 
Well, kind of Eight weird. of the nine. Yeah. I've always called you a utility, but that's because <laughs> we've relied on you for so much for the first, um, for the last three years. But um, what didn't you play? Oh, the only weirdly, the only spot I didn't play was shortstop. What? You didn't play short. So pitch, catch, everything. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. But weirdly, utility. shortstop was the only one. But that was just how we were at. Like, um, yeah, we had some good players in different positions, and mm. and same with old Taps when he when he come up. Um, he was sort of start off at third, so he pushed me out until I sort of had to fight my way back into that position. So, yeah, that's just that's just softball sometimes, and Absolutely. it's healthy competition. You talk about um, Ray Timu uh, was the coach there, but what other coaches did you have PK over your time? Uh, we had Stoddy. Yeah. Oh, Sir Warren Stoddart. Yeah, oh, pretty much. Uh, yeah, um, softball, uh, yeah, softball legend. legend there. Yeah, yes. It's funny because if you had a yeah, 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 but if you had a shocker of a tournament, it was always harder on me because um, he stood out on Stephenson, so I'd have to sit. I'd have to sit next to him on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> so it was like, oh, those really awkward sort of times. If I know I'd made an error or hadn't sort of lived up to my own sort of expectations of myself, but I'm oh, sorry, Stoddy. Yeah. And he just hogs both the armrests on <laughs> It's alright, but no, he's he's awesome because he's one of those guys. He 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 just gets people, and he's got a he's got like the knowledge he's got is, is great. Um, builds a good culture, and you know that he's going to be aggressive with Harry plays. And that's that's I remember commentating the um, the men's open when we were down there watching exactly. Yeah, and I was like, right, I know what he's going to do here. He's run on one or two, and he's he's not afraid to squeeze. Or if he's run on three, he's mm. just really aggressive, and that. Fitted with our culture and our mentality, we sort of wanted to win and we wanted to put teams away. I remember, <laughs> I remember one time we were playing um, Porirua, um PCU, and uh, I think we had mercyed them like yeah, 13, 14 runs. Like we absolutely smashed them. We just got on a roll. Like it was a real good game, and then we just it just sort of blew out for them, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but Stoddy pulled us in after the game and just ripped us a new one. <laughs> he told us to pull our finger out our ass. I remember because I was taps and I every birthday I was like taps, pull your finger out of your ass. But Stoddy had told us that that wasn't right. For I don't know what had happened, but he wasn't happy with the way we went about it. But he just had really high standards. Yeah, maybe he wanted the game finished in the third, not the not the fifth <laughs> or something. But yeah, so he's just one of those guys who got that manner about him, and he just knows what he wants, and he and he's quite clear, and um, he can be blunt to the mm. point and say, hey, this is what you need to do. But he's. He's the first one after the game. If you, you know, put your arm around, you give you a cuddle, sort of a thing. You know, hug and say, "Oh, well done." Yeah, you know, like you tried your best. Um, yeah, so a, a good team guy builds a great culture and knows a lot about the game. And um, obviously, his success for the representative teams speak for itself. Well, I mean, speaking of that, um, you play for him at PK. You would have maybe played for him at Wellington uh, at Wellington as well. And you're episode twenty five, man. There, we've had a lot of people play for Stoddy. So, what's he like at that rep level? He's just the same. He yeah. just expects now that it. He's got a level, and that's where it is, regardless yeah. of where it is. Yeah, but there's no. You know, he doesn't put pressure on you. Like mm. he, he's not about that. He just expects that you understand that going from club to provincial mm. is a higher responsibility, higher honour. Um, so you, it's those extra two percent or the extra two inches in your in your mind that you now need to apply to the games, and just expects you to know it. Um, if you don't, then you don't play. Mm. Um, he doesn't matter which player you are. If you're not performing, then they're off. Um, he, he doesn't care about that. Like he'll put his best team out there, and if you want to be the best, then you got to earn your way into the team. Yeah. Um, but he'll talk to you about it. Like it's uh, this is what you need to work on. But yeah, no. Um, and if he didn't, he'll hog the armrest, is it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd always get stuck in the middle. 
it would normally get oh, I'd get middle, and then someone would get the window. So it was just horrible coming from like Auckland to Wellington or Christchurch to wherever we were going. Damn, damn. Through that time, mate, of uh, playing for PK and Wellington, what are, what are some of those fondest memories? And I know you've already elaborated on the last time that PK won the title, and I know you've got a, um, a national title under your belt for Wellington. Um, if I remember correctly, you've won everything in New Zealand but the Dean Schick. So, um, mate, what what are some of those um, fondest memories, not necessarily on the diamond for PK Wellington? No, no I... Oh, I know. Like, obviously, success builds success, and you build a legacy. And you you look back, and you think, "Geez, actually, we're." You sometimes you get tied up in it. You don't actually realize, like, "Wow, like we were a pretty good team, or mm. we could have done some some pretty amazing just things." Or, we, or we, we did do that, yeah, yeah. But we just were probably what I was proud of is just like the friendships you made, and the um, like there was no egos. And I, I think from Poniki, that was the coolest thing. Like, no one was better than anybody else. Like, um, you know, Larry would sort of clean the clean the shed sort of thing, you know. Or yeah, um Jared would drive down from Taranaki um because he had the love for the game. He wanted to play wanted to represent those colours. You know, like I, I think that's kind of the coolest thing that I learned from them. It doesn't matter that you're rubbing shoulders some of the guys who have done some amazing things in softball. Um like legends of the game and you know, rightly so Hall of Fame. Mate, you you just named Jared Martin and Thomas Mark here. I mean, to see the likes of those cleaning the sheds or driving the van. I mean, that speaks volumes, eh? And and a lot of people don't. Yeah, no, and oh, it was just really cool, like just to see that and kind of like, wow, okay. And it teaches you a lot about yourself, like the person that you want to be is is that kind of person to look up to. Like they're real team players, help you out. They'll go the extra mile. Yeah, and, and little things like, oh, I'll, I'll drive because that's what it takes. Like, um, yeah, Stacey was the same, or, or Wally. Um, Benny would obviously drive around Auckland because he knew the place, but it's hard to keep up with him in the Man. van behind because he was just zigzagging. Auckland is, eh? The amount of times I've uh, followed Chopper and he just takes off on the motorway. No, bastard. Yeah, just expect you to follow yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Or oh, you know where you're going. No, yeah. I don't. No, <laughs> yeah. no but, but, but the big thing for me was probably, you know, we had a lot of success and, and I was lucky enough to um, to – be in a position with a club that um, had enough money to support those trips away. That is, um, that is go. important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like th- they thought they valued going to those tournaments for exposure and um, the legacy of teams who had gone on before or, or players who represented the club going to those tournaments and meant a lot for them. Mm. Um, so there wasn't anything that Poniki wouldn't sort of give you. Um, mm. like, so cool, you go to the Shack if you want to go to the Shack. But we'd obviously go down to Nelson. Um, for Marty's tournament and we used to go to Christchurch um, for the old show weekend um, it was just being exposure to the yeah. the top quality ball around the country yep. um, in order to build up for those clubs you talk about a professional outfit I think that's the words you use I know definitely past I guess Nathan Nukunuku has definitely has installed that in Ramblers so how important is that at a club level well if you want to be successful it, it, it drives everything you do mm. Um, you, know, you you can be average and you can be happy with average but I think if you want to make a difference and that's probably what I learned over um, my time sort of playing softball I'd, like, I love the game but I didn't have that professionalism mm. or that sort of drive to be like be better than anyone else yeah. Um, yeah like if you if you said oh look cool you've got a for example hey here you go you made the Black Sox like, oh that's awesome mm. but for the Black Sox that's not right attitude the 
you want to be if you want to make the black sauce you it means such a legacy to be in that team yeah. you want to be the one who's on that mound throwing the ball you want to be the one say, who starting hits yep. yeah it's not good enough just for the starting yep. like you you need to Hit be that the person run who's going to be yep. that thing who drives on the run or be that, that runner who gets on but mm. i was always happy to be sort of okay like oh cool this is awesome yeah um like yeah and i was sort of happy to be there but in hindsight that wasn't that wasn't a winning attitude and, and mm. probably represented why i didn't push that extra further because i wasn't wasn't good enough to be there i could have been but i wasn't didn't know that until afterwards right. and nobody sort of helped guide that and you know if i'd been fitter and more mentally tough and those sorts of things then yeah cool could have been a whole lot different okay. it came back enough the team in uh 2011 i think it was the year uh here at fraser park um you guys lifted the uh, club national title first one for you too yeah, yeah. last year of softball yeah, pretty how, much. How yeah. do you how do you bundle those two together? Oh, again, you, you don't realise your sacrifices until after you sit back and be like, mm. yeah, "Cool, I've won the title." Yeah, because you, you, know, you talk to some of those Ramblers boys. Um, yeah, but oh, cool, won won this title. We've got back to back. We've done this and that. And then you kind of like, oh, that'll be nice. Like, I've lost a couple of finals, yeah. sort of thing. And then um, once you actually have that final, you realise, wow, yeah, you know, everything you've built up for for that week and the sacrifice you've given up, like with your family, with your friends, your trainings, and those games, it comes down to that one week, mm. yeah, and, and just those little clutch moments of everyone working together. Like there's nowhere to hide. Like you've got your, yeah, your bench. If people aren't performing, you've got to take their spot and they've got to come on. So yeah, awesome experience. Great, great week because because we we're local, as well. Yeah, we um, we just we. Yeah, I know. It was, it was just a, a weird feeling because everyone just sort of came together, just chilled out. Everyone just got on. Um, there was no egos. Everyone mm. was sort of down to earth. Um, just did their roles really well. Um, Man, yeah. So I, I, it was probably for me. Like I thought it had a pretty good tournament. Um, that one sort of quite consistent. Um, but I think because I was an overthinker, if I was always too hard on myself, no. if I didn't get three out of three. <laughs> Yeah, hurts, or if I wasn't perfect, then I'd be too hard on myself. Yeah, how many batting helmets would you go through in a season? Oh, good no. question, Chop. Good question. Yeah, I might have had a few tantrums. Uh, <laughs> Old crispy. Yeah, which people say, and like, oh, no, that wasn't me. Must have been a different guy. <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't being a bad sport. I was just so um, so hard on myself. I didn't want to let people down. Yeah. And I thought if I didn't get a hit, or I'd, I'd be like, man, I'd just. Was that your inner Brad Baker coming out? It was probably, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, oh, he can throw us towards my gun. Nah, yeah. Good, good old times. But no, for that week, I was, I was still working. So I had to work my class around the games and had some people at school who would cover my class. Yeah. So mentally wise, I was just coming in like I'd um, get morning tea or, or whatever, take the kids out for PE and I'd get the kids to, you know, a bit of soft toss. Um, that was my sort of warm up. Yeah. Uh, some ground balls. Wow. And I'd go down, race down, and then um, sort of just, just could concentrate on the game, at the game. Didn't have to fluff about, didn't have mm-hmm. to overthink stuff or whatever. And just really be in the zone, and then go back and hit something outside of the softball. Yeah, so it was a, it was a pretty cool week, and then just to just to have the experience together with a lot a lot of local guys. Yeah, uh, amazing. Just uh, talking on that, Crispy, we've uh, completely brushed over it, but that was um, not the biggest, uh, n- not the only biggest title that you've won. But earlier on in your career, you won NFC with Wellington, didn't you? Sure did, didn't yeah, sure. Well, we've heard about that story a couple of times. Yeah. So you've talked about your attitude back in the day. You know, it was a, it was a bit off. 
one or two of us might agree with you. But um, I'd agree. With you that. know, <laughs> compares that title, and and I also want to touch on that title as well. But compared that title to the 2011 when you you know you're going out and you got other things in your life, what were the what were the two differences between those championships for you? Oh, good question. Uh, it, it's it's different because yeah. you've got the best of your best players in the Wellington or Auckland or, or whatever it was. But because you're away, you bond a little bit better. Like mm. you do stuff. Like you go for a little walk with the yep. boys in the morning, and that's kind of that that's that Wellington culture. Yep. Where even with the Paniki boys, we'd just go for a walk in the morning and just do stuff together. Um. So that was a great week. Like we just went around and and just saw stuff, and we weren't favourites, mm. so we had no pressure on us. And then like we knew that our flight. Um, that's but right. for the game, like, I think Larry's on here too. Yeah, like, they'd already booked the tickets, so yeah. we couldn't get out of it. So Larry was just like, "Right, hit away, boys, just have fun." And when you get like Wayne, you know, just he's just the loudest personality <laughs> in the world. Eh? Like he's just he's he's amazing. Eh? You just feed off that, and then got on a roll. And he gets a hit, and then someone else gets a hit, and Louis gets a bang, and then his hits everywhere, and his home runs. And next minute, I think um, I think Connie ended up just we were all in the team van. We sort of basically shook hands, went, and then um. Connie just ran out, grabbed the trophy, and then we straight on the airplane. Still in uniform. Back to Wayne's. Yeah. Back to Wayne's. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say that in the first episode, eh? Hey? Back to his. Down the garage. But you talk about those early years of not really realising who you were playing against. Did, did you start appreciating appreciating the players that you were playing you know, with and against? And, and did you appreciate that title way more in 2011, understanding the game and matured around the game? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're sort of talking a little bit about that before and it wasn't from like an arrogant point of view it was just I was just sort of immature and didn't really res- <laughs> I, I guess probably when I become a teacher yeah I realized sort of the errors of my ways like like the, no one ever taught me mental toughness or mm. what it was to prepare for a game like as a mm. young fella kind of I, I didn't didn't put in the effort like I didn't go out for the runs and yeah it wasn't until later on when I was trying to teach kids but like, well, why can't you do this like you know, you've got a game coming up why aren't you ready for it so I had to sort of go away and um I actually set up a sports academy and I got some of the sort of elite guys to come in. Like I even had um like Sidiru come in one day. Nice. Wow. He's sort of a local guy. He come in and he just Cheers. talked about he was sort of one of the early early doors warriors and Kiwis. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about how he broke his forearm like twenty two times, just sort of kept playing. He said he was never the best guy growing up, but he just was out there running Auntie. every day. Yeah. Small guy, but yeah and I was sort of wow. What could I have done differently if I was actually put in the effort? Yeah. And then you just expect stuff to fall in, fall into place. Because I was kind of like, yeah, okay, okay. Never the best, but like good enough to sort of step to step to step and just thought naturally, oh, this is going to happen. Uh, and then you're kind of like, oh, well, next year maybe, yeah, it'd be awesome, mate, the Black Sox. That'd be, that'd be great. But I was never never good enough. Like maybe when the physical was there, the mental wasn't. But then at the end of the sort of time of playing, then the mental was there, but the physical mm. slowed down. And that's what I try to pass back with the kids now. Like it's just that work ethic. If you want to be one of the best and and be remembered for that, like that's a pretty special achievement. And then so I think that's why now you look at people wearing that silver fern, and, and it means so much because the sacrifice you've made and the effort you've put in there, you deserve to be there because of the effort. Yeah. And yeah, like you're saying, I, I I just thought it would happen, and um, and, and never did, which is my biggest regret because I would have loved to have put on the uniform with the with the lads and been out there and be like, wow, well, you know what? Out of fifteen players. Or I'm one of 15 people out of 5 million. So around that, um, you know, early days you were considered and in the in the setup for the junior junior Black Sox. So how did that not give you the, the oomph to do some more? Yeah, mentally. Just 
Thought took it was for granted. Over. Took it for granted. Wow. I've never had to sort of work for stuff. Sorry, Mr. Talent. Oh, no, no, it wasn't <laughs> even like that. Like, you look at, like, I always sort of yeah. reference Craig Wallace, you know, like, from a young age, he was seen as, like, a real young prodigy to, to grow up. And and you look at him for adversity. Like, we got a tour, like, an internal tour when he was about 18, but didn't get his Black Sox debut till sort of, like, 30 or something. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's an incredible story. Yeah. He yeah. But, yeah, uh, mentally, I, I, I never had it. And, and that's why I sort of mentioned before, I was having the arm with, um, well, with a pretty successful Black Sox captain um, at some stage with Reese. He's like, dude, you've got all the natural talent, you just don't have the mental side of it, which was kind of a bit of a wake-up call. But like, mm. well, cool, someone like him can recognise that you've got the talent, but, yeah. um, but again, too naive to sort of uh, go away and think, oh, you know what, I need to do the extras. Like, I need to get half an hour before um, training and do some extras. I need to stay after training and do the extras. I need to go for a run. Cause I was, and then at the, you know, when we've been quite successful, because I have luckily been part of some successful teams, it's just sort of happened and everything's clicked. Um, but, yeah, how much more success could we have had if I'd been better and put in and taken with me? So should have, could have. Yeah. Should have, could have, yeah. yeah. But that's why, like, now with the junior kids yeah. um, that we're trying to teach, it's, it's just teaching them about, like, work ethic and about doing the extras and not relying on stuff happening. If you want it, then you've got to go out and get it. Yep, absolutely. But that's one of those things, though, like, you learn from life experiences. Who's uh, here domestically? Who's some of the kids you see coming through that really, you know, you can see real promise for whatever reason? Oh, to... to to be honest, I haven't really followed the um, the junior game, so I'm, I'm probably the, not the best person to ask about that. Like we had some um, some good players when Damon and I were coaching under 18s. Mm. Yeah, they weren't going to be the best players, but they had the right attitude, yeah. which was going to take them a long way. Mm-hmm. But if someone had taught them how to have that killer instinct when they were 11 or 12, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe things could have been a bit different for them. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't. Well, I don't really know too much. Of going off that, crispy, mm. you know, we come from a way different era where we were talked to a bit differently back in the day. And you've, you're now in education. Are we? Are we actually prepping our young athletes for those hard yards? Are we? Are we waiting for them to tell us that they're ready for it, or are we seeing it more? Or, or are we seeing the signs to maybe push them a bit more, like we were back in the day? Yeah, I think it's coming full circle as well. You've, you've gone like kids don't have resilience. Yeah, um, and that's partly because of helicopter parenting. You know, kids, the parents have been there underneath the tree. You know, like when we grew up, we could climb a tree. Like I was sort of driving, I was up in the yeah. Tokyo, I was driving a car from yeah. from a young age. You know, like yeah. Climb trees, hunting, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, if I made, if I cut myself with a knife or an axe or something, then there was like, oh, well, don't do it next time. <laughs> but then we got that generation of helicopter parents who wouldn't let their kids take risks. Mm. They wouldn't let them fall. They wouldn't let them. Yeah, you know, they just picked them up before they fell. Well, the yeah. trees are going out the so, you know, you've got that generation coming through where they don't have the resilience. They just get, it's easier to give up. Yeah. And it's easier to it's easier to go and complain. Yeah. And, and now you you don't have the conversation with someone. You just do something on Instagram or you know, Facebook or something like that. You yeah. make a little comment. Yeah, yeah. But we're also on the same side of that. We're, we're more aware of the the mental scars that the comments like that can make. Yeah. Um, so, but I do think it's coming around. Like people are now thinking, oh, cool, we're changing society. We're we are going back to having more resilience. And, and in the classroom, that's what we're sort of teaching them. Like yeah. I ask the questions of the teachers all the time. Like, what did you, what opportunities did you give your kids to fail? Mm. Like, what do you mean? Well, you learn more from a mistake than what you do from um, always having success. Mm. Mm. And that's that sort of model I had with the class. Well, yeah. What did you fail at? Yeah. 
oh, well, I failed at this. How'd you get better? Um, so I, I do think in sports it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's yeah, just that societal change. Yeah, I always thought that that sport, softball specifically for me, uh, was always teaching your life lessons, just like you were just saying, those type of things. Question, this uh, balance is better um, drive that's coming through now, probably more of a younger group uh, that we're talking about, 15s down, I suppose. Where do you think that fits into sport? Tell me a bit yeah. more about this. Balance. Yeah, so the balance of better is more about trying to trying to get more people in the sport for starters, and it's been identified across a number of codes: rugby, netball, you, you name it. Major codes across New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the idea is to, which is kind of a little bit different than what we were just talking about, but taking away some of the representative hierarchy of the code, uh, so that it allows even the kid that's mediocre to have a really good time in the sport and to get more kids in the sport. So then eventually, as they get older, you will have that hierarchy of kids that go through, but you can have more numbers to play the game and more enjoyable for the kids. Ah, oh. Tough, because it's not the way we grew up, right? No, 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 you're uh, right. I'm, in, I'm interested um, to hear this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess in theory, it sounds great. Mm. Um, but you're then relying on teenagers coming through with no adversity, no fight. No competition to get into these positions that they are the best. Yeah. To, um, to nothing to work towards. Hey, like well, now I'm eighteen or nineteen. Do I have that drive to be more successful? Mm. Um, we, we sort of we grew up and we had the competition. Even like, as I was young, you know, living in Tortola Park, I had to sort of find my feet. Mm. Had to sort of earn a spot. I've always sort of had to do it that way. Yeah. Um. So I'm, yeah, I'm I'm keen to actually for for kids to learn. Mm. Um. And, and again, like go back to failure. Like you don't make a rep team. Don't give up. Don't sulk about it. Just go away and figure out, get some advice. What can I do better? How can I do things a bit differently to actually be that best person? Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I think from my experiences, what I've seen, I actually like to have that drive. I like to have competition. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do too. I, I mean, I can see the the benefit of both. And, and if I look at my own kids, um, especially when they're younger, sometimes when they're like, "Oh man, I played like shit," or my team played like shit, and they're so upset and stuff, but then maybe not straight away because you can't talk to them in that that mindset. But but after a while, you can talk to them. Well, you know, why did you feel that, or how did that happen, and you know, what could you do differently, or that type of thing. So they, you're right, they're learning from that experience, right? Whether it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's how you question kids as well. Mm -hmm. Like if you go and tell um, like a six year old, oh, you know, you were useless at this, you missed that tackle. Yeah, fundamentally, it's going to make them feel bad about themselves, yeah. and it's not going to improve their performance. Yeah. Like, that's they already know they were shit. They already know they missed their tackle, right? Yeah, but yeah. but then, it, look, I'm about growing the person as a as a learner as well. I'm about, I'm about growing them. So, like, well, what could you do differently? Like, what 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 are the things that you can take away that you did really well? But what are the things that you can work on for next time? Mm. And I guess that's where that mental sort of preparation comes in. Like yeah. I try to plant the seed with my son Caleb. He's only six. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's playing under eights for rugby, and he's not the best. Like he's <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot better than last season. Yeah, he, he's going to grow because he's a big solid um, solid kid. He but, just listened to that part of the podcast. He's like, "Dad, you're a wanker." <laughs> yeah, yeah, most likely. I love you to be. <laughs> but like, he's he's not the best. But I think that's quite good because now he's going away and he's seeing he's playing with those older kids. He's, he's a year the competition. Ahead. He's year yeah. ahead with older kids who mm. are just that fitter, faster, stronger, and they can think more quickly. Yeah. And so he's now realizing that to be to keep up with him, he's got to play a little bit better. And um, but again, we talk after the game. Mm. Well, well, and it's about celebrating because I, I want to. Build his confidence yep. up. And yep. I think that's where sometimes in the past we've just knocked people's confidence. And that's why they've like, oh, I don't want to play anymore. 
And with people having lack of resilience now, they just say, oh, too hard, I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to come back each week. Um, so again, it's that mixture of both is like, cool, let's go, let's teach the kids how to fail and how to work with adversity. But we have to grow them through our questioning as well of taking responsibility for how they can get better. Nice. Mm. Nice. Awesome. Well, Crispy, I know you, you don't have much time today, and um, oh. uh, Damien's got a couple more that he probably wants to ask you because this, this is his prime opportunity to put you on the spot uh, at some point. I've got one uh, while he's just coming up with his couple. Come on, sickly, because I've got shoulder surgery, so I've got all day. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we're going to the pub after this. Um, dude, if you had a youngster that came to you and said, Crispy, with all your time in the game and – Growing up in the game, well, for your part of your growing up in the game, but then also playing at the elite level for such a period of time, what would be the one bit of advice you could give me for myself? What would that be? Trust yourself. Yeah, like just just back yourself that if you get because sometimes softball, yeah, like you're you're off an inch and it feels like you're off a mile, right? Like, so it, it's just it just trust you and say work hard uh, if you want to achieve that goal. Like if you want to be at the highest level, then you need to work hard for it. But just trust in yourself that you're not letting the, you're not letting other people down. So it's kind of that whole trust belief. I think would be the biggest piece of advice, and just just work hard. Fantastic, that's good advice, Damien. Absolutely. Hey, mate, we've been on the TP committee for a, for a number of years now. Three to be well, coming into our fourth season, uh, we went back to the club to change some things, but we've seen a different different era of softball. You know, working with kids, being around them, how do you get them at a club level to turn up and be, I don't know, more involved in the club, more passionate about the Jews that they're playing? For me, mate, it honestly sometimes looks like an indoor netball team. You turn up, you get your bib, you go in, you go out, and that's it. You know, so how do we change that culture around, you know, being what you know about kids, being around the, the softball as long as you have, how do we change, change that culture um, and get kids more invested about the clubs that they're in. Yeah, it, It's like you said, the word culture. You have to develop culture where people believe in something. Yeah. Um, so if we want them to believe in TP, then we actually have to have some carrots at the end for them. We yeah. have to believe, they have to understand our motto. Like, what do we believe in as a club? What do we want for these kids? Like, obviously, we want our kids to be playing ball. We want them to be successful. But we want them to be good people on and off the diamond as well. Yeah. And then once they finish college, we want them to come back or even on the Saturday. Because that's where you tend to lose a lot of kids um, through college sports. But, yeah, fundamentally, I think we just need to go back as well, look at the roots, like, who are we? What what do we believe in? Where are we headed and what can we do? How can we grow you to have that pathway upwards? Because Mm. we, with this new sort of structure that's going to be built, we we want our kids to come back and we want their families involved um, and we want to be successful. So, yeah, as a committee, we just go back and we look at... um, Re, that, that whole visioning of, of where we're at where, we, where do we want to be this season where, we, where do we want to be in five and how do we get people to stick around yeah. and develop the club because we've got a good junior club level mm. um, but numbers it's just yeah. not, the number wise where it's awesome yeah. um, so it's just about bringing them back as seniors and wanting to come back we had uh, Jola Evans on on the on the couch a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the differences. Um, you're going to hate this one. The differences and the the issues that he sees between Hutt Valley and Wellington. Now, someone that's played for both associations that's taken a step away from the game and back into it. How do you see the competition across the board uh, working at the moment? Are they working? Would you like to see more 
I know you love your double headers and stuff like that. So how would you like to see the system system going, the competitions going? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice little setup up there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the both back wheels of the bus on you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like the reversing both, me. Like, Hutt Valley was always known for um, having the, the players who would work together as a team and they would be the ones who would play three games on, a, you know, on, on finals day to get through and to win it. And that's how they sort of they, they got there. You know, qualify fourth and just and work through where um, town always seemed to have um, those elite players who could just you know, one swing of the bat could change a whole ball game. Yeah. Um, and so that's where it's hard because you've got the rich history of Hutt Valley and Wellington, but w- what I've sort of seen like the the lack of competition between um, t- premier teams is is pretty disappointing. I don't think it's that strong because. Mm. When I first started out, like you had you know, six, six or eight teams sort of playing, and yeah. you, every game was a hard game, and you mm-hmm. had to earn the, every run that you got. Um, I'd, oh, even P twos was solid back then. Yeah, yeah, you you'd know? have a yeah. P two, so you could get dropped, or like as a P two, you weren't just walking into a Premier One team; you were actually having to work your way up. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, in the current model, I don't see um, strength in having two associations. I know that might upset the um, the traditionalists, but I don't think there's enough. Um, there's not enough competition from my little experiences. Been away for, remember, been away for like sort of eight years from mm. all that. Mm. But I do pop down every now and again. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what that looks like, um, how the, how they fix that, because um, then you've got both sides wanting their own association. But yeah. um, the space of fifteen minutes up the motorway, you're already in a different association. So I don't know. I don't know how they work together. But so yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, but I, I think sports in general need to look at look at how they're doing things. Um, yeah. People don't. A lot of people now want to play social yeah. um, because they don't have to train, or it's, um, they're thinking we're well, a little bit older now. I don't have the drive, or I don't want that competition. So I just want to go and hang out with my mates, um, which is good because you get people playing. But then it lowers the drive for these young guys to aspire to. Because mm. I remember like, you go to trainings and then you go far out. I've got to, I've got to show my worth to these people. Absolutely, like, I've got to do well because this person's watching, or I don't want to let that person down. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to fix it. But sport, I don't think it's just a softball issue. Yeah, with that, it's um, sports in general and time. People are time precious now. Yeah, because that was one of the things when I was playing is you, you never had the family time because you were always away. No concerts, no f- summer holidays, yeah. no nothing. Yeah, every, every long weekend you're away in Auckland, Christchurch, yeah. and yeah, I, I, look, I don't mean to be disrespectful with that. I love going away with the guys and um, yeah, having fun and, and stuff like that. But it does actually, it would be nice in summer just to be able to go and have a barbecue with your mates and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. Last thing for me, mate, is um, you're back in the game now. You've been around the game. I think we're into our fourth season back into it. You and I. Um, there's still some faces around, the Fraggles, etc. They're mm. still giving back. How important, because we've seen it in our own club the last couple of years without it, how important are those vets in there to give that advice, to show the way, to make you think a bit differently, just like Stevie Deeds did back in the day? Oh, crucial. Crucial. Yeah, because I, like, I still I, I play with Fraggle at Cardinals and, and Hutt Valley. Um, sure this. Yeah. Yeah, so like I kind of I said to him one day I was like, geez, you know what? I, I kind of regret our interactions when I was there. I, I was sort of um, didn't really appreciate your guidance or um, little crispy. I imagine didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah just thought like yeah, you know, young fellas sort of coming through, sort of knew better. And um, it wasn't until now you sort of sit back and you talk to him and, and see what he's doing out at Paraplim there with his 
you know, with his own kids and with, with the team they're just building that culture mm. and he, he's still around and he's still helping them out and I was like actually you, you haven't changed you were always that guy mm. but I think it's important for people like him to be around to share their knowledge um, and because he's had the silver fern on his chest he's done many tours he's done tours with I think he still wears it on his helmet to be honest oh, he's still got the red helmet yeah. still the same batting yeah. style <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, like yeah, and same with those Warrior guys like Tony Nixon and like mm. Chunky and yeah, you know, some of those guys that are that are around and they just help with those with the smaller things. Like they've been there, done that, they've represented the provinces and they can kind of say, like, Hey, if you do this, this is gonna happen. And they help guide the team and the expectations and what's sort of required to get to the next level and this is a bit of a pathway for them mm. as well. The, the cool thing with having the vets around as well is the culture that they bring. Mm-hmm. I remember a young guy uh, when I was at Hutt City. I was a young, young fella, and I went away to Club Nationals. Um, this was this was up in Hamilton, so it might have been the same tournament I talked about with Steve Dance. And um, I thought I was pretty cool. Like, you know, there's a few sort of jokes in the team, and old Crusher was the coach. And uh, I short-sheeted his bed. Yes, that's Short- a family thing of mine as well. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I thought, oh, this will be quite funny. I put the old sugar in there and short sheeted it. <laughs> and then it, it got to like the, I think it was like maybe the last day of the tournament. And I was sort of sitting next to him on the bench, just riding the pine and sort of like learning <laughs> and watching and sort of talking to him. I was like, yeah, so, uh, how's that short sheet of beard, eh? He <laughs> like, looks at me and gives me this point, like, yeah, right, I've got you. I never said anyone, I never said anything to anyone. And I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> he goes, you watch out. I was like, uh, okay. And he just sort of like looked away and uh, he was gone for the rest of the day pretty much. Like his mind was elsewhere. <coughs> so we all went out that night, went into town and um, sort of uh, sort of celebrated the, the tournament. And um, I come back home and every piece of my clothing that was in my bag, he had gone and got it. He tied it into knots, like double knots, and every piece of clothing, like T-shirts into shorts and <laughs> undies into socks. And it was right around the room, even into the fridge and out. He'd got uh, my sunglasses and he put toothpaste in it. He put uh, Vegemite in my batting helmet. Uh, he had tied my shoelaces around the wrong way. So they did it from the bottom. He'd put, probably, probably the worst thing is he'd put um, like a whole tin of peanut butter in my glove. Oh no! Yeah, and then so I was like, oh, I didn't know about my gear in my bag until the next day, but I had to sort of get in. He gets up in the morning, right? We're out. We've got a game. Like, you need to hurry up, and it's all over me. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> so bang, get to the park, and then he's like, yeah, we only sort of because we were out of the tournament. It was a nine o'clock game, I think, and he's like, right, that's it. You're in. You're starting. You're leading off, and you're hitting. And I was like, well, I'm not even ready. We kind of turn up real late. Then we had to put my shoes on. He's yelling at me. He's like, hurry up, you're in. I was like, oh, I had to undo my shoelaces. And I was like, no, he's like, just get in there. And I put my helmet on. And then it's like, <laughs> there's Vegemite around my head. I was like, oh, no. And there's like, get a bit of sweat coming down the boat. Vegemite would go in my eyes. And, like, oh. and then we had to go out to field and put the glove on because we hadn't even sort of warmed up. And then I was like, still scooping out peanut butter for the entire game. Oh, chunky or smooth. Oh, yeah. It was, well, it was smooth by the time it melted in my glove. But it, it's those kind of things that you remember from the. Yeah. From the sort of like what you call the veterans of the game, like they are those things that stick with you for life, and you yeah. learn a lot about about those things. And that was a culture, like he, that was a culture that sort of he had created. He thought that was hilarious and something that kind of like oh, or prank stuff for next mm. time, and sort of talk about. It was probably done to him as well. Exactly. Yeah. So it's important to have to have those sort of fun and those um you know, those sort of jokers around the. 
I know you're loving being back because you know it is a is a is a game that's pretty special. But where would you like to see, or where where would you like to add your value and your experience and your um the way you can communicate over the over the next couple of years in the sport? Yeah, I guess probably we'd, what we talked about with the committee level, mm. um, just growing that club so it's nice and consistent and quite strong in the Hutt Valley, um, so that we can have our have our kids sort of looking up, thinking, "Wow, you know, like, cool! I'm playing for Torts Park." I, I want to be here because it's a it's a club going places, and I want to be able to grow that, um, yeah, that sort of the young teens into sort of some premier softball players where they actually have a pathway. Because yeah. um, what we were talking about before, like, I got the opportunity to play overseas a couple of times, and just incredible with what you see and who you meet and the stories that you hear in the ballparks and um, yeah, and different cultures. Um, it's incredible. So I'd love to be able to give our kids in the Hutt Valley opportunities to be able to go and do that. Yeah. Oops. Excellent. But I know um, we had a, a series running for a while here with uh, selecting a um, Beyond the Dugout all-world men's team. That's now full now. But question for you is, Bud, if you were able to pick one person to be on your team when you were playing, who'd that one person be? Oh, it's already full. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I disappoint uh, so many people. Yeah, I not bet. Them. Um, well, we've always talked about it before, like, just, just the fact of the aura that the person brought was Thomas Marker. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, there's just something special about him, man. Yeah, I was lucky enough to play with him. And we talked about Jared Martin, and you, yeah. I even got to play with Paul Elgar. Mm. Um, yeah, Elf. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and and just like like Craig Wallace. Yeah, yeah it's just a yeah. wealth of knowledge. Like just the even watching him play, like. Um, he was never the, like the fastest or strongest, but like, geez, he, like he can hit for power. He can, you know, he he works counts. He's just he's just an incredible player. Um, so I'd probably then um, I'd go Craig because uh, he's really good off the field, uh, and now with his role in baseball as well, he's trying to trying to nurture kids coming through. But um, I think Wally's a pretty um, pretty good candidate to be right at held in high esteem. Clever yeah, thinker sure. of the game too, eh, Wally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like because we would go in together. Um, obviously, lives down the hut. So going to our games and, and tournaments, we would um, just drive in together or be on the plane. Um, yeah, he's, he's always talking about softball. He's talking about what we could do, and he's talking about players, and he's talking about plays, and he's talking about different different things about the game. He absolutely loves it and breathes it and loves it. So I was lucky enough to sort of learn a lot from him just through those simple conversations. I'm just going to give um, Wally props here as well. He, he's had a lot of uh, a little bit of kickback in, in our region of, of the last few years with his um, work with baseball and how hard he works on that side. But don't get it twisted, people. Craig Wallace is all softball, so you know, leave that at the door when he comes talking to you, eh? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just as what his work is um, yeah. with the baseball, but mm. yeah, his knowledge of the game of softball um, and, and what he's given back with the coaching and how he's brought yeah. his boys up. Um, he's just using some of the expertise that he can get from boss baseball and put it into softball. Maybe Wally and Kitty are the first partners to be on the couch, mate. Yeah, maybe could be. Maybe. Talking about that, man, uh, um, something I don't know about, I don't know if he did this in his playing time, but um, uh, him and Kitty are up and down to Auckland all the time, man, with uh, Sage playing up yeah. there, or when there's tournaments and things on, or whatever the case is, when they're coaching, and whether it's softball, baseball, whatever. Um, but he will drive the whole way from Wellington here uh, to Auckland through the night. Kitty sleeps in the passenger sleep seat, and he drives the whole way, man. Oh, I don't know how he does that. Because eat his snacks, eh? Cause <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we, we got to play off him in Canada as well. 
and he loved the um, what's the old gravy uh, like KFC and you know, the potato gravy yeah. with the yeah. cheese in it. Yeah, the Putin's. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, he used to love that in Taco Tuesdays, so. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he'd love it. <laughs> yeah. But he used to sleep all the time. He could take a nap whenever he could. Eh? Yeah. But no, he's very, he's very committed to his sports, and, he's, and he sees a pathway for, for the kids. And genes in that family are just incredible. Aren't they? Yeah, right. Aren't they? Yeah. And very humble, too. Well. Yeah. Corey's sitting there thinking, thanks, thanks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hi, Megan. <laughs> nah, that's awesome. Well, hey, thanks, uh, Crispy. Um, and hey, thanks for coming for a coffee today. Thanks, Yeah, mate. no, that's Appreciate a nice it. setup, eh? So, wasn't prepared for that. But, nah. but um, thanks for having me. I, I, it's, it's pretty cool to be on the couch, so, knowing that you've interviewed all these sort of elite athletes. And here's this guy who... Uh, <laughs> Who is not on the same level as him, but I got to play alongside a lot of those guys. And what I found my experiences with those guys and everyone and ladies that you've interviewed is you hear them talk, and it's about giving back to other people. So yeah. I'm, I'm now, in hindsight, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I was given to learn from these people. And um, maybe if I had a better attitude at the time, um, we could have had more to talk about. Could have had more to talk about yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's good. That you'll find that the people at that elite level are all about growing up. Absolutely. People. Yeah. Now you're, just last question for you, now you're um, assistant principal uh, at school. If a softball kid comes in late, do you do like, it's all good, don't worry, just go to class? Oh, yeah. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, kids, if you want straight A's, uh, play softball and head to St. Joseph's. Well, it's the head, Chris Stevenson, thank you so much again, buddy, for taking the time here on Beyond the Dugger. Damien, i got to say, man, I knew this was going to be a cool episode. Chris Stevenson, what a blast. Yeah, no, I'm really proud we did that. I'm really stoked that he fell for the baits of coming around and having a coffee. And I'm really so, yeah. I'm, I'm really proud that he just opened up and was honest and brutally honest about uh, some of his shortcomings, but also, you know, things that he's learned to, um, from since then. So, yeah, stoked. Well, you can see, I mean, we've had him on the crew when we did the, uh, the event at Lower Hutt last year. And how knowledgeable of the game and, and the history he understands. And you can see that through the whole interview. Mate, it reminded me of um, when we got him down to, uh, yeah, call that game at <clears throat> Club Nets. Uh, and it was like, um, who was the Tony Romo, when he went into commentary for the very first game it was like a Super Bowl whatever it was and he just like was amazing he just knew the game inside and out was calling all these plays um, Crispy was exactly that person you know and 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 then little well as we mentioned in the podcast like he didn't sleep that night <laughs> before he came down so if we were ever going to interview a mate another mate I can put on the list uh, um, that I've interviewed I've interviewed a few of them a few of them over the time but uh, I'm definitely proud of that one and I'm glad we surprised him so he wasn't so nervous I agree, but I agree. Like, I'm really happy to have met Christy uh, through my time playing, and then, of course, uh, getting to play a little bit with him uh, socially last year. But wait a minute, gotta say, I'm still dirty. He beat me in the home run derby. <laughs> you are too true, mate, too true. Hey, uh, it's just. Um like, you know, ball, ball is full of characters, eh? Um, yes, we've got some absolute legends of the game um, that have accomplished so many things, but there's so you, you will not go past many clubs that don't have a character or two um, that have gone through the game, and Crispy's just one of them and, and a knowledgeable one of that. Yeah, fantastic. Of course, uh, before we go, Damon, let's remind our viewers of what they can get in the merch shop. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, do we have any uh, stubby holders left uh, after the tangy break? Don't give a few away. No, mate, it was uh, good uh, Good branding around that tent outside the old man. It was very cool. <laughs> it was indeed. They are in every part of corner of this country now, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yep, no, you can still get our stubby holders. You can still get our caps. We've still got a couple smalls, I think, but heaps of larges. And coming soon, we're just working on the online shop. Um, we've got our custom hoodie and I. Uh, oh, rumor, yeah. rumor has it that Dynasty's uh, mocked us up a summer singlet, my man. That's what I'm talking about. Sounds good. So make sure you want any gear, just jump on the Facebook page there, send your message, and uh, uh, one of us, or especially Dane, let's be honest, Dane, <laughs> will, he'll answer you and, uh, and we'll get it underway as quick as smart. Thank you all for joining us uh, this Friday. I hope you enjoyed uh, Crispy's episode, episode 25 here. It's great to have you along for it. For now, complete pleasure on behalf of Damien Collins. I'm Jason Gurney, aka Chopper. Kaki there. See you guys bring on next weekend. Be on the dugout, lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout, lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the base. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout.